0: We're so glad that you chose to join us again today, or if it's your first time, welcome.
1: We're happy that you're here. Absolutely. Christy's got another Canadian case for us, right? I do.
0: Can you believe it?
1: So this is like your third Canadian case, right?
0: It is my third Canadian case, two really close together. (laughs) And I have another Canadian case in the works.
1: Keeping it in Canada. (laughs)
0: That's right. Feeling patriotic. (laughs) It's time to shine some light on some Canadian dirtbags. And today's case is a giant... Canadian dirtbag.
1: Oh, wow. Or are you just really tired of having to do all the pronunciation from all the different languages?
0: Well, you might think that, except this one happens in Quebec. (laughs) So you're doing French. (laughs) So I'm doing French names. And this one, probably we have to look up the pronunciation for more names than I do in most of my international cases. So bear with us with our pronunciation. We are a bilingual country. But the way I speak French and the way they actually speak French in Quebec are two different things. Yeah,
1: they do teach us both languages in school, but if it's not your first language, then it's not the
0: same. Exactly. So I apologize in advance. People are going to be like, you're Canadian girls, you should know how, but we don't all. So like Melissa said, we are going to Canada with a case that isn't as widely known around here as I thought that it would be. It is horrific, and I myself only learned about this case a year ago when my middle daughter told me about it. You can tell I'm a true crime mom.
1: (laughs) Isn't it great when our
0: kids come to us with cases? (laughs) Mine sent me like six this week. (laughs) That's so funny. She's like, Mom, did you hear about this case? And I was shocked that I hadn't. Because of the brutalness of this one, it has taken me a while to get up the nerve to cover it in detail. We're going to be discussing one of Canada's worst doomsday cult leaders in Canadian history. He didn't have a huge following, and maybe that's why he isn't talked about in our history classes, but the damage he caused to his followers is astronomical. This man is an extremely vile dirtbag, and the things he does may be hard to hear, but these things did happen, and so I will be including many of his evil acts in our case today. I've said it before, but buckle up, buttercups, it's gonna be a bumpy ride. Oh this one's really bumpy. If I say it's bumpy, you know it's gonna be bumpy. Yeah, this means I'll be having nightmares. You might. Great. <laughs> the man we will be discussing is Rock Terio in his cult that he named the Ant Hill Kids. Have you heard of this one? I haven't. Yeah, it's so surprising. And like I said, I hadn't heard about it till just last year. This is only our second cult case. If you haven't checked out Melissa's earlier case about the narco-satanists, I would encourage you to all go and listen to that one as well. Oh, that was so disturbing. That one was. That one did give Melissa nightmares. Yep. <laughs> there can be many different genres of cults. The Ant Kids is classified as a doomsday cult. They believed that the end of the world was near. And when did this take place? 70s and 80s.
1: Okay, so not even at the turn of the century.
0: No, no, okay. late 70s and throughout the 80s. So I did do a little bit of research on what makes up a cult, and what I found is that a cult must have two out of the five following characteristics. That they must have an authoritarian leader who is not questioned. The group believes that they are given some higher understanding or will be saved. The members are isolated from their families, and the cult members become their new family. Group members are lied to or manipulated. The real purpose of the cult is hidden to them, and finally, members are taken advantage of financially by the higher members of the cult. Oh, check
1: box on all of those accounts for the narco-satanists. Right.
0: And this one too. The Ant Hill kids definitely had more than one of these characteristics to classify them as a cult. And in my opinion, I'd say that they had all of these qualities. But you can decide for yourself. Canadian dirtbag Rockterio was born into a French-Canadian family on May 6, 1947 in Saguenay, Quebec, Canada. I believe the French way to pronounce his name is Roche, but he later changed the pronunciation to Rock, which is the Anglicization of his name. So I'm going to refer to him as Rock. His father, Yacinth Theriault, was a house painter, and his mother, Piriette Tremblay, was a homemaker. Rock was the second born of seven children and was the eldest son. When Rock was about three years old, his family moved to Thetford Mines, Quebec, a mining town 230 kilometers, or 142 miles northeast of Montreal. This is where he would grow up. Neighbors described the Terrio home as an abusive one. They also had significant financial struggles. Rock didn't have an easy childhood. One neighbor, Leon, said that Rock's father would make Rock and his three brothers play a game with him that they called Bone.
1: Oh, I can only imagine.
0: <laughs> to play, they would sit at the kitchen table with heavy work boots on and kick each other's shins until one of them gave in. And can you that imagine how that would hurt?
1: So bad. Oh yeah, I
0: think even just when you accidentally hit your shin. Yeah. Let alone being kicked full force with a work boot, a steel-toed work boot. Yeah. Oh. And that's not even a fair fight. I'm sure Dad always won. Oh, he took part. He took part. He would sit oh. down with the boys and make them play bone, and they would kick each other with these, and boots he would on. kick them. Yep. Oh. Yeah.
1: I guess you don't know what his thought process was, but was he trying to make them more like man's man?
0: Maybe exerting his dominance. You know, you got to be tough. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. The same neighbor said that Rock's mother was not much better and that he could often hear her screaming at the children three quarters of a mile down the road. Oh, she had some love. <laughs> yep. He said she could scream like no other person could. As a child, Rock was very intelligent and he loved learning. However, he only completed a grade seven level education. I read that the schoolhouse near them only went up to grade 7, and after that, the family made no arrangements for the kids to further their education. Which, in that time, isn't a big shocker. No. Rock claims that around age 8, he started to develop the power to heal sick people. This would be a thing that he would continue to believe and practice during his reign as a cult leader.
1: Okay, so I have to know how did he develop this talent or why did he think he developed this talent just out of the blue?
0: This will be a common thing that we'll talk about. And he's like, yeah, from age eight, I started to have these abilities. So he started to study mosses, herbs, and plants. And then he had also was learning at a young age how to castrate cattle and pigs with little to no blood loss. Okay. So he thought, I have this medical talent. Huh? And you'll see later that he really doesn't.
1: Was his family a religious family?
0: Very. And okay. we're going to get into that. Despite being abused and having a hard upbringing, Rock would later write an autobiography in 1983 that painted his childhood as almost magical. In his autobiography, he said that he came face to face with a mother bear and her two cubs one day as a child, and that the mother bear rolled him over like she did her cubs, and he played with the wild bears all afternoon. Is he delusional? Yep, because because later in 1990, when interviewed by psychiatrist Andrew Malcolm, Dr. Malcolm described this particular experience as, quote, a deliberate attempt at myth-making. Many believed he painted his childhood in a brighter light, basically as a coping mechanism. As a teenager, rock was quite popular. He would party and drink with his friends in local pubs and had his way with the ladies. His friends from the time described him as being brilliant and outgoing. His friend Andre said, quote, he was a good looking man with piercing blue eyes. He never had any problems getting girls, that's for sure. And as an adult, I'd say he looks like your stereotypical cult leader, but his eyes are very blue. <laughs> you should look up a picture of him. <laughs> uh, yeah, he looks like a cult leader. Yeah, He's he got looks- that big bushy
1: beard. <laughs> yep. yep. But his eyes are blue. They yeah. are
0: extremely blue. but
1: totally like Hillman vibes. Yep,
0: he does. And why do they all look like that? I don't know. They don't have that cult vibe. Look to them. (laughs) Rock's father was an extremely religious Catholic, so you called that. He was a member of the Union of Electors, which was also known as the White Berets. Rock would be forced to attend Mass, study the Bible, and then go door-to-door campaigning for the White Berets. He would have to hand out literature about the group. Because of this, Rock developed a strong hatred towards the Catholic Church.
1: Were they just not trying to be like good parents and trying to instill good
0: values into <laughs> They were. It wasn't so much the religion that he hated as he hated having to campaign. Okay. Going door to door, handing out these pamphlets. I right. guess he really hated that. On November 11th, 1967, at the age of 20, Rock Terrio married his first wife, Francine Grenier, a girl he had met from a nearby town. They moved to Montreal and had two sons together. And I'm not going to include their names. I'll only share the children's names that I need to that pertain to this case. Unfortunately, around this time, Rock started to have some medical issues. He was diagnosed with stomach ulcers. They were quite severe.
1: Couldn't cure himself?
0: (laughs) He couldn't, actually. That's a good point. (laughs) Rock underwent surgery to remove the ulcers, but then he had to deal with complications from that surgery. He developed something called dumping syndrome oh, nasty. Yep. It's as nasty as it sounds. This is often caused from surgery to the stomach and ultimately makes food travel too quickly through the digestive system. So it doesn't sound very pleasant. These health issues prompted Rock to further his research as a healer, and he started to read medical textbooks cover to cover and study human anatomy. He was quite vocal about it, trying to share his knowledge with basically anyone around him. Dealing with his health issues caused Rock to become irritable and he started to drink excessively. He moved his family back to Thetford Mines and started to make a living by woodworking. On the weekends, Rock would go to Quebec City to sell his sculptures. He used this opportunity to cheat on his wife with another woman.
1: His dumping syndrome didn't get in the way of affairs. Right? <laughs> oh, <Ew>. Gross.
0: <laughs> That's a good point because he's a very sexual man as you will come to see. <laughs>
1: he learned how to time it right, I guess. Oh, I don't
0: know. Gross. <laughs> the visuals. <laughs> but if any of our listeners have dumping syndrome, no offense. is <laughs> <as> intended. <laughs> Rock would end up losing his house due to financial difficulties, and at that point, his wife had enough and divorced him in 1976. I read he went and shacked up with the other woman for a little while. Rock became involved in various groups around his town and always strived for a leadership role within those groups. Eventually, Rock discovered the Seventh day Adventist Church and became a very involved and committed member. I read on a couple of accounts that he even started to wear monk frocks that were hooded and went to his ankles.
1: Like just all the time?
0: Yeah, he would walk around town that way. He liked that the religion focused a lot on health. They advised no drinking or smoking and promoted healthy eating. And so Rock quit his partying ways. He even would go as far as to eventually run workshops on how to stop smoking for the church.
1: Oh, wow. That's actually quite impressive. Because if he was a heavy drinker and then just quit.
0: Yeah. Good for him. It is good. But it's short-lived.
1: Oh, okay. Spoiler alert. (laughs)
0: I speak too soon. That's right. I don't feel like we need to give this guy any compliments at all.
1: (laughs) Dirtbag through and through.
0: Yep. Rock became obsessed with the Old Testament. He was fascinated with masculine authority as well as scripture about the end of the world. He viewed it as an apocalypse with violent consequences for sinners. Despite absolutely hating being forced to campaign for the Catholic Church as a child, Rock enthusiastically began selling Seventh-day Adventist literature door to door. Allegedly, Rock's enthusiasm for the religion grew to the point of annoying the other church members. <laughs> Remember, he likes to be the leader of everything. Yep. And people did say that he was trying to take it over and wanted to be the leader of the church. <laughs> Doesn't work that way, Rock. But he's chosen. He yeah. believes he's chosen. So you know you know what happens in a cult. Yep. <laughs> After not being able to take over the church in 1977, Rock moved by himself, so he ditched that girl, about 56 kilometers to St. Marie, Quebec. Here, he opened a homeopathic clinic named Healthy Living Clinic. He also ran his stop smoking seminars and presented at religious clinics.
1: Okay, so he's creating a life for himself?
0: Yeah, so far, no problems. And people responded well to his clinic. Well, it It, sounds like he's charismatic. He's very charismatic. And it was a time that organic food and alternative medicine was on the rise. And so people were drawn to him, right? This is the late 70s. It's Mm -hmm. free love. It's organic. Yeah. Not like today. <laughs> well, we still have that today. <laughs> no, I know. That's what I mean. During this time, Rock met and married a 26-year-old woman named Giselle LaFrance. Amongst the people being drawn in by Rock, there was a young couple who turned all their material possessions over to Rock and moved into his house with their baby daughter.
1: But like, here, have our money?
0: He did yep. he ask for it? No, he convinced them to. Okay. Yeah, he convinced them, you know, just give me all your possessions and your money and you can just come move in with me. And shockingly, before long, many people followed suit.
1: Well, I have to admit, honestly, sometimes it sounds like a good idea to do
0: multifamily houses.
1: (laughs) I know. Especially with the prices of things today.
0: I know. It's true. You can see how that lifestyle would be beneficial for some. Especially as a young couple. Oh, we'll just give you our things and you'll take care of us? Okay.
1: Yeah, I think that's where the hard part for me would come
0: in. For sure. But he was so charismatic. He... Is coming across as this spiritual kind of guru and healer. I'm and sure People the, are just drawn in. Yeah. I'm sure
1: in the 70s, they were just eating it up. Oh,
0: yeah. And he's religious. He was checking all these boxes for people. As people flocked towards Rock, a few more gave him their material possessions and came to live with him. I read also that he later would use their welfare checks. Oh, that was helpful. How were they collecting welfare checks? I don't know. But at any regard, this essentially was the start of the Ant Hill Kids. There were a few younger women who still lived with their parents, but they would be at Rock and Giselle's house often and would stay overnight on the weekends. The women were attracted to Rock, but he began performing marriages between some of his followers that were obviously not legally standard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rock started to preach Adventist beliefs to his followers. And I just wanted to include a little disclaimer that the things that Rock does and begins to teach are not in line with what Seventh-day Adventists believe. He is an evil man who just happened to be part of their religion. Mm-hmm. As is the case for almost all cult leaders, right? Yeah, exactly. But sometimes when you start talking about religion, you don't want people to feel like, oh, Seventh-day Adventists, this is what they did. Yeah. Right? It's not the Seventh-day Adventists, it's Rock Rockterio. Yeah. Rock focused his teachings on the end of the world. He told his followers to quit their jobs and drop out of college since Christ would be coming and the world would be ending. And so they did.
1: (laughs) I think to actually follow through on that, you had to already be looking for an excuse to kind of be like, yeah, this is hard. I don't want to do this anymore.
0: Right. But on the other hand, I do feel like they really believed him. They believed him that the end of the world was coming. And so what is the point? If you knew for a fact that in a few months the world was going to end, would you call in sick or would you go to work?
1: Uh, I think I would
0: still go to work. <laughs> I would. No. Are you a psychopath? No. <laughs> if you... Would you continue
1: to bake cakes for people no. to celebrate?
0: Heck no! I go to co op and buy a cake. I'm not spending my last two months on the earth baking you a cake. But that would bring joy to people. So what? Someone make me a cake.
1: (laughs) No, I think I would still, I don't know. What would you do then? Just sit around waiting for it to show up?
0: No, I'd go have some fun. I think it's the same kind of idea if you knew you were dying. If you're given a diagnosis, you've got six weeks to live. Are you going to go to work and bake cakes for people in those last six weeks of your life? Or are you going to do
1: things that are meaningful to you?
0: You're going to do things that are meaningful. You're going to spend time with your family, your friends. You're going to have experiences. Yeah. And so they kind of felt like, okay, if the world is ending and they're believing this, why would I go to college? Why would I go to work?
1: Yeah. Why would you spend your money on something that you're never going to actualize?
0: For sure. Just to give some understanding as to why these people are doing this. Only they can say for sure, but we can speculate, I guess.
1: Maybe it's just my belief that like, we don't know that time. And so we just keep going how we go. <laughs>
0: oh, for sure. And that's how I feel too. Yeah. But these people really believed that the end of the world was coming. Yeah. Rock told them that the world would end soon in a storm of boulder-like hailstones and that the road to heaven would be filled with suffering, but that suffering was God's will. So there's some major foreshadowing for you. Mm. Is he going to be
1: the one inflicting this suffering?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: When you talked about him studying medicine and studying anatomy, I was like, oh, I wonder how he's going
0: to study anatomy. Yeah, it's going to get gruesome. Oh, no. Yeah, sorry. The parents of the younger women, as well as the actual Seventh-day Adventist leaders, tried to warn the women about Rock's teachings, but it seemed to only push them closer to their new mentor. It appeared that they were more attracted to Rock and his personality than they were even to his teachings. Well, then he's the
1: forbidden fruit, right? Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Rock told his followers to forget the church and their families and said he was their family and leader now. (laughs) Checkbox.
1: I was just gonna say so there's one
0: of our checks on a cult. Rock claimed that he was able to talk to God. He said he was chosen by God and that God warned him that the world was going to end in February of 1979.
1: So did he really believe this too or he was just telling these people this because he wanted to dupe them and be their leader and get their money?
0: It's hard to say. I think at the beginning, I feel like he was maybe more being deceptive to them. I think near the end, he believed he was God's person and was acting on behalf of God. So he had convinced himself. I think so. Escalation of commitment. Right. But spoiler alert, the world didn't end in February of (laughs) 1979. It didn't. (laughs) Rock gave his followers biblical names and told them that he was Moses reincarnated. And so they could call him Moses. Moses. And then he also created a dress code. And
1: that's why he grew a long beard.
0: That's right. And that's why it did make researching this case a little challenging, because sometimes I would read their biblical name that he gave them, and sometimes I would read their actual given name. So I had to match their biblical name to their given name. But any of the names that I will give are their given names, not the names that Rock gave them. Okay. To avoid being destroyed, Rock told his followers that they needed to retreat into the wilderness. And so in 1978, they all made the long trek to a mountainside that he named Eternal Mountain. It was in St. Jogues in the Gaspé Peninsula. It was extremely isolated, a perfect place for our sadistic cult leader to begin his tyranny.
1: And so now they're isolated from their family.
0: Yep. Rock convinced his followers that by coming to Eternal Mountain, they would be saved, which is another checkmark on (laughs) cults. At the time, there were nine women, four other men, and four children who followed him. The poor children were just collateral damage of their parents' choices.
1: And were they older or were they quite young?
0: They were pretty young. Okay. When they got there, it was indeed just a mountainside, although there was a body of water, translated to mean dry lake there as well. Work had to be done to make the place livable. And work they did. Everyone except for Rock. So he's a lazy (laughs) dirtbag. He did blame his illness for not being able to contribute. What?
1: His dumping syndrome?
0: Yep. What? Sorry, I need to sit back. And I think it was just him exerting power over the people. But that's what he used as an excuse. I'm ill. I can't work. But they get there and it's just mountainside. Like, there's nothing. And so he's like, hey, well, this is what we're going to do. But you guys are actually the ones who are going to do it. Oh, what a dirtbag. Yep. Rock ordered everyone around and instructed them on how and what to build as he sat back and watched. While watching everyone work non-stop, it occurred to him that they looked like little ants working in an anthill. And so the name ant Hill Kids was born.
1: Oh, he named them that.
0: Yep. So he actually created his cult name, the Anthill Kids. Wow. They set up tents and then began working on a large communal cabin for them all to reside, working up to 17 hours a day. And they also had to dig their own well. And I thought I would be like at that point, can I get a refund? Like, yeah. Where's the next train out of here? Because I can't even imagine. And what did
1: they take with them on this mountainous journey? Not a lot. So no tools or anything like that?
0: Yeah, I think that they had parked their cars a ways away and then they walked in. I think it took two days to walk in. So I did read that they did go back and get some of the things or carried some things from the car. Okay. But they didn't have a lot. There yeah. was just no
1: equipment anyway. No,
0: they didn't have backhoes and <laughs> all this kind of stuff to be clearing the ground. But
1: maybe a shovel. They yeah. weren't like hand yeah. scooping out a no, well. I think
0: they had a few hand tools like okay. that. But still, can you imagine? No, I would definitely all. be like, I didn't see this in the fine print. I have changed my mind. That's right. The end of the
1: world is no longer coming. <laughs> <laughs> right?
0: However, they did complete the cabin in September. It wasn't fancy, but it did meet their needs. Because they were so isolated, the commune had to continue to work for what they had. They had gardens and would grow most of their food. This meant, however, that the ant kids were surviving mostly on vegetables, and this was starting to affect their strength. Rock rationed everyone's food, and if they complained, he would give them even less. His own food, however, never seemed to be restricted. Oh, of course not. Mm-hmm. Because the commune members were becoming increasingly exhausted and weak, they became easier to control and looked to Moses for more guidance. They're probably becoming delirious. They probably are. I mean, I love me some vegetables, but if that's the only thing you're eating and it's being rationed, that's not a lot. And you're working 17-hour days?
1: And it's not like legumes or anything like that. No. No.
0: Yeah. It's carrots, probably potatoes, (laughs) you know. So you could get some starchy ones in there, but not all. Things were fairly peaceful for the first year. The members' conviction in Rock increased. He was a healer and their spiritual leader. November of 1978, news of the Jonestown Massacre hit. Rock became enthralled with the details of the case.
1: Oh, of course he would.
0: Yeah. I was thinking, was he taking notes?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now here is how you do it.
0: Right. And it's funny because when I asked around to a few people that I know if they had ever heard of the Aunt Tale Kids, they said no. But then when I said, did you hear about Jonestown Massacre? And they were all like, yep, I've heard of that one. Mm-hmm. But if any of you don't know, the Jonestown Massacre was the mass murder-suicide of over 900 people, led by cult leader Jim Jones. The thought of cults was becoming a household concern across North America. Charles Manson had started his cult about a decade prior, so cults were on the rise. In true cult-like fashion, Rock declared that they were all one big family. He said that he had the authority to dissolve the previous marriages of his married commune members, and he declared all the women were his wives.
1: Oh, and how did that go over with their husbands?
0: They agreed. What? Yep, because he's their leader. (laughs) That is crazy. Yep. He wanted all the women to himself. They're these beautiful young women. And so now that he's got them out in the middle of nowhere, he's got them weak weak. He's got them dependent on him. His strength is up because he's not missing a meal. Yeah. And now he's like, okay, we're one big family. You're all my wives.
1: I just have a hard time believing that any husband is going to go for that. Like how brainwashed did he have them?
0: Well, I believe there was only one married couple at the beginning, but then he performed other marriages. So they were living like they were married, these other commune members. But then he's like, nope, haha, just kidding. Nobody's married anymore. And then I don't know if he actually had some kind of ritual to marry himself to all these women, but he declared that they were all married
1: and they were all his wives. How awesome would it be if we could just declare ourselves an authority on whatever we wanted? Right. Like, no, this is happening because I have declared it. <laughs> I'm not really loving these gas prices right now. So yeah. I declare
0: that. I get free gas whenever I go to the station <laughs> because right. I am the queen of my town. <laughs> You'd be living such a different life. We really could. Throughout his time as a cult leader, he would go on to father over 20 children with his nine wives.
1: Wow. How long were they out there?
0: It's like 12 years that they end up being together. Oh, that's actually not
1: crazy impressive
0: then. Yeah. So he had his people calling him Pappy, and I did read that he had them calling Giselle Mammy. Giselle was his chosen one. Was his first wife. They were married before they started Ant Hill Kids. Mm -hmm. Not that she really gets special treatment. So he's Pappy now, not Moses. No, he's still Moses, but he's their pappy. Okay, Yeah. Because he's also the father of their commune, right? So I think all the kids call him pappy. You know, it's just that's who he is. But yeah, he's Moses reincarnated. Okay, Yeah. So some of you might be wondering, well, Christy, what happened when February of 1979 came and went and the earth wasn't destroyed? Well, I'll tell you. Rock's followers did question why the earth was still standing after February came and went. But it was because they
1: were so diligent, right? That's right. right. Yeah. I
0: I could totally be
1: a cult leader.
0: You could. (laughs) And Rock's smart, so he thought on his feet. He told his members that God's timetable is different than ours and that sometimes it's hard to decipher. He admitted that he miscalculated the day, but that only meant that it could be any day now. This kept them in doomsday survival mode, which was perfect for Rock. And I wonder if he gave them a date originally to ignite panic and help him talk them into joining him. Oh, maybe. So like you were asking at the beginning, I kind of feel like he probably gave them that date to put that pressure on, get them to hurry. We got to move. We got to build. It caused that change in the people. And then when it didn't happen, he's like, oh, it's still going to happen any day now. I just miscalculated. Could you
1: imagine living in that kind of environment where every day could be the last day?
0: Right? Yeah, and he would just hold that over them. Yeah. One of the male members came to Rock about his wife who was in a hospital receiving treatment for leukemia. Her treatments had been going well up to that point, but this man viewed Rock as a healer and trusted his advice. Rock reportedly fought with the doctors about the medication that this woman, Geraldine, was receiving. The pair of men took the woman out of the hospital and brought her to the commune.
1: Is it disrespectful to be like, big eye roll here?
0: Yeah. He was upset with the amount of modern medicine that they were giving her. Hmm. And he's like, no, I can take better care of her. Let's bring her home. He decided to treat her leukemia with grape juice and organic foods. That'll do it, right,
1: Nurse Melissa? Absolutely. Yeah. Especially when they're rationed.
0: Unsurprisingly, 38-year-old Geraldine passed away. Rock said that after she died, he kissed her forehead and she came back to life. But then she died again shortly afterwards because God wanted her to return home. He's using these experiences to further manipulate his followers. Dirtbag. Yep. It didn't take long for Rock to abandon his holistic lifestyle and he returned to heavily drinking. Rock was a mean drunk and the abuse would begin to escalate dramatically. He was a true totalitarian. I read that his wife, Giselle, while pregnant, began to feel jealous of his relationships with the other women and felt rejected by her husband, and so she stood up to Rock. He responded by punching her in the mouth and locking her in her room for two days. When another one of the women, Maurice, was pregnant, she allegedly ate two extra pancakes than what she was allowed, and Rock punished her by punching her in the side, which resulted in two broken ribs. Ouch. When Marie started to talk about leaving the commune, Rock made her husband cut off one of her toes as punishment. Oh, and so here you have somebody else doing his dirty work for him. Mm -hmm. Her husband obviously didn't want to do this, but Rock threatened to do it himself, and so her husband did sever one of her small toes with the axe that Rock handed him. Oh, dear. Having the commune members hurt each other would become a very common practice of Rock's. No one was safe from the wrath of this dirtbag, including the children. Rock kept the children separated, the ones that did not belong to him and the ones who were his biological children. No child was safe, but the ones who didn't belong to him had it worse. He said that he had to beat the devil out of them. What? hmm As part of their punishments, Rock would nail the children to trees by their clothing and then order their mothers or the other children to throw rocks at them. If they refused, he would throw them himself, which would be way worse. So they had to do it. While inebriated, Rock would sputter out long, drawn-out sermons, and if anyone fell asleep, they would be woken with a blow from a small club. He'd just go down and, like, start smacking them. Yeah, he'd be drunk and just going on and on and slurring out this big sermon, and if you nod it off, he just comes and gives them a whack. I read it was like a four-inch mallet. That he probably (laughs) kept on his belt loop. Yeah, it reminded me of maybe like one of those fish bonker things, right? Maybe like that. I also read that a common punishment in the wintertime was to make the members stand outside in the cold without any articles of clothing on. And I'm not sure if everyone listening knows just how cold Canadian winters can get. But sometimes your skin can start freezing within minutes or less yeah, than. True story. Yeah, we know people who have gotten frostbite before and it is not fun. It can no. be really dangerous. Mm-hmm. And painful. And painful. And it can scar and stuff too, can't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is cold. The air literally hurts your face. Mm-hmm. It hurts to breathe. Your nostril hair freezes. <laughs> it's like icicles on it. It's crazy. You hope your eyes aren't watery because they'll freeze. Yeah. So standing outside in the nude in the middle of winter would be torturous. The parents of one of the women at the compound, Chantel, eventually were able to get a court order for Chantel to undergo psychiatric testing. When authorities showed up at Eternal Mountain, Rockterio refused to let them in. When the police returned, they arrested Rock for obstruction of justice, and he was then court-ordered to undergo a psychological evaluation himself. Oh, I'm curious what they're going to find. I'll tell you right now. He was sent to a Quebec hospital, but it didn't take long for Rock to win over the hospital staff. Rock did some doctoring himself when he altered the story to make it sound like he had saved all these poor souls who were desolate and struggling with addictions. What? Yep. Even the director of the hospital himself thought that the public misjudged Rock. The hospital director thought that he just simply had a different lifestyle than most. Oh,
1: so obviously Rock left out the fact that he collected all those people's money first.
0: Right. Well, he basically made it sound like a rehab and they're paying for rehab. I'm helping all these poor people here. So subsequently, Rock was released from his hospital stay early and was given a one year suspended sentence. So they didn't tap into any of his psyche at all? No, he was able to bamboozle them all and just won them over. Oh, wow. He is
1: charismatic. He
0: is. The nurses, the hospital staff, even the, like, come on, the director of the hospital. Yeah, but they don't
1: have very much patient contact.
0: No, but should not be making mistakes like this. No.
1: It's easier to trick that guy than it is the people that are taking care of you day in and day out. Right.
0: Yeah. And he's a master manipulator. So Mm -hmm. he knows what to say and how to say it. After his flying color review from the hospital, the media started to view Rock as a gentle mountain man instead of the sadistic monster that he truly was. And this would allow him to fly under the radar for a long time. He looks like he could be a gentle mountain man, but he is not. He is a mountain beast.
1: (laughs) A mountain dirtbag. That's
0: right. (laughs) When Rock returned home to his followers, the fact that he had passed all his psych tests with flying colors cemented their faith in him. They knew now that he for sure was not crazy.
1: So what about the other girl that went for Psyche Vals, Chantel? She goes back. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because
0: they don't think it's a problem.
1: But did they find anything in her Psyche Vals? Not that I could find.
0: Wow. Yeah. But if you're not thinking of it as a cult, it's not a cult. It's a rehab. And she's going there for this guy's help. And he's okay. So then why would she have any psychological issues by following this man? I guess. So they just kind of dismissed it.
1: But you would think she would have an unhealthy dependence upon him.
0: Well, yeah, they all do Yeah, (laughs) in actuality, but he was able to pull the wool over all of their eyes. Wow. While at the hospital, Rock met a man who would become their newest member since moving to Eternal Mountain. Guy Veer was being treated for depression, but it is suggested that his mental health concerns extended far beyond just depression. Guy joined the commune in November of 1980. Rock let him stay in a shed. He wasn't allowed in the main home yet. Guy was given the task of chopping wood and other physical labor.
1: He's going to be his henchman, isn't he? Uh, His crazy number two? Nope.
0: Oh, no? Okay. He doesn't actually have a crazy number two throughout this. Oh, really? Yep. He wanted all the control for himself. Guy was also given the responsibility to look after some of the children. Because Guy was mentally unstable, Rock only allowed him to babysit the children that were not his because they didn't really matter anyway. There are differing accounts of what happens next. The courts accepted Rock's testimony of what happened, so that is what I will tell. On March 23, 1980, Rock was throwing a party to celebrate having his two sons from his first marriage come and live with them. That night, a two-year-old little boy named Samuel was super fussy and wouldn't stop crying. Guy was not invited to the party and was watching over the children, so Samuel is not Rock's biological child. Guy became agitated by the screaming When Samuel wouldn't settle down, Guy lost his temper and beat the baby boy until he stopped crying. Oh no. Samuel was alive and the next day, Rock could see the boy's injuries. Samuel's penis had swelled up and he was unable to urinate. Believing he was a healer, Rock decided to operate. What? Yep. He used a pair of scissors to operate on Samuel's penis to try and allow the urine to escape. And the differing story I thought I would just mention was basically that Samuel was only bruised the next day, but that Rock wanted to perform a circumcision on the boy. Regardless of what actually happened, after being beaten and operated on, Samuel was found dead the next morning. His cause of death is suspected to be actually alcohol poisoning due to Rock pouring rubbing alcohol into the boy's mouth as an anesthetic prior to the operation. To make him pass out. Mm-hmm. Rock ordered that Samuel's remains be burned. I read differing accounts about the success of this. Some said that he was burned, but others said that they attempted, but when it didn't work very well, they buried what was left of him at the compound.
1: Which makes more sense because you have to get to such high temperatures to actually cremate somebody. Yeah.
0: Sometime later, during a drunken rage, Rock started to blame Guy for little Samuel's death. He held a court and decided that Guy was guilty.
1: And he appointed himself
0: judge and jury? I didn't put all of this in here, but actually, he did have a kind of like a kangaroo court. Oh, okay, and the members had actually voted him not responsible because of his mental disabilities. Oh, and Rock didn't like that, so, so he so just overruled. He overruled it, and he says, "Nope, he's guilty." And then, of course, they went with Rock. Yeah, so now he's judge, jury, and executioner. Exactly, and guess what? His punishment was castration. Because <gasps> that seems logical. Yeah. Rock was able to actually convince Guy that he should be castrated. He told him it would help stop his persistent headaches as well as clear up his respiratory issues that Rock determined were being caused by too much self-gratification. Okay, but I thought he was doing this as a punishment not to cure him of things. Well, he is. He says that's your punishment, but then he is wanting permission from Guy. That's bizarre. Guy was obviously not keen on the idea at first. But eventually, he did sign a consent form, giving Rock permission (laughs) to perform the castration on him. Did they get a consent for
1: Samuel's operation as well? No.
0: This is insane. It is insane. Guy was considered to be at the lowest level in the group, and Rock assured him that this would improve his status. I think he just wanted an excuse to operate. He's saying, this is what needs to happen. It's going to take away your headaches and your respiratory problem because you won't be able to masturbate anymore. And he wanted him to be compliant. And so he does. Guy laid on the table and Rock had Gabriel fetch the things that he would need. These things consisted of a razor blade, a pair of tweezers, a magnifying glass, an elastic (laughs) band, and ethanol. Rock performed the surgery. When he removed the testicles, he simply put them in a tissue and threw them in the garbage. Guy's scrotum bled for a week, but Rock instructed Gabriel to give him a saltwater compress every 20 minutes and allowed him extra iron in his diet.
1: He never sewed him up afterwards.
0: Yeah, I don't know if he did, actually. I know that other operations get sewed up after, but he would usually have someone else do the sewing up. But I don't know if he did. It just said that it bled for a week. So maybe he didn't. However, surprisingly, Guy survived the castration. And believe it or not, he no longer complained of headaches. Oh! <laughs> Lucky coincidence? Power of suggestion? I don't know. <laughs> but
1: he's like, oh. Or he, true
0: cure. <laughs> you're right. I don't have any headaches anymore. However, his status in the commune did not increase as promised. Instead, he had a target on his back as far as Rock was concerned. After ongoing abuse, Guy managed to escape the compound. He made his way to the village of St. Jogue and went to the police. He told them that baby Samuel had been kicked by a horse and died and that his remains were still at the compound. He left out the part about beating the boy Mm -hmm. or the operation.
1: Was he trying to protect them? Like, why did he go to the police but not spill all the beans?
0: I think because he had a hand in that boy's murder, right? Oh, okay. Yeah, he went to the police. This is what's happened to me. And by the way, there's a boy there as well. Okay. Police arrested Rock along with a few other members of the Ant Hill Kids. After finding Samuel's remains, five of them, including Rock and Guy, were charged with criminal negligence causing bodily harm, and the woman who was instructed to burn the body was charged with obstruction of justice. There were other charges laid as well, including charges of child neglect and in regards to Guy's castration. Those involved were charged with bodily harm and mutilation charges, even with the letter of consent signed by Guy. Because it would have been signed under duress. Yeah. And even then, I still don't think it's legal. (laughs) I don't think I can write a paper giving you permission to perform an operation on me and that's still okay. Nope. (laughs) No. (laughs) The property was seized and destroyed. All of the children at the commune were apprehended and put into foster care. Everyone pled not guilty. Although I read that Rock eventually pled guilty to the charges involving guys' castration. There was a trial that lasted nine months and everyone was found guilty. Rock received the longest sentence of two years, minus one day. He was given the same sentence for both charges, but he was allowed to serve them concurrently. He also received three years probation following his release. Wasn't he on probation when this happened? Well, it was only a year of probation, oh. so this would have passed by then. Okay. Rock was sent to Orsonville Detention Center in Quebec City. The remaining Athill members moved into apartments close to the prison. So Guy- they
1: could visit him?
0: So they could. They wanted to be close to their leader. Guy was sent back to the mental facility instead of prison. He was found mentally incompetent. So that should be the end of our case today, right? Yep. Yeah, they're in jail. Sadly, we are just getting started and the worst is still to come. What? <laughs> yeah, really, I'm not joking. The abuse gets so much worse and especially horrid from here. Oh, break time. Yeah, if you need to go get a drink, walk around your house, go do that. <laughs> Rock was the last one to be released from prison after serving only 18 months in February of 1984. His devoted followers were ready and waiting for his instructions regarding what to do next. Wanting to be further away from onlookers and to avoid the Quebec parole board that ordered him to no longer associate with other cult members, Rock moved his followers to Burnt River, Ontario, an area known to be part of the city of Kawartha Lakes. I read that he paid only $12,000 for a 200-acre parcel of land. So he had a huge area there. Mm -hmm. They built a two-story home with a kitchen, a bakery, a maple sugar shack, a root cellar, a smokehouse, and a stone altar where Rock could speak with God. Rock continued to impregnate his multiple wives to rebuild their family. It was said that there was almost always at least one woman pregnant throughout his rule. Well, with nine, that wouldn't be very hard. Wouldn't be too hard, no. Rock's vicious ways and abuse escalated, but the commune members rarely fought back. One of the male members, Jacques, said later, quote, When Terio sobered up the next day, he'd cry like a baby with his head at his feet, begging God to stop commanding him to commit such brutality. Oh,
1: man, he's blaming
0: God. Yeah, he's like, please, God, don't make me punish yeah. these people.
1: Don't make me get drunk and lose right? my mind. Yeah. Please don't make me be a dirtbag.
0: <laughs> but by doing this, he was essentially trying to take responsibility off of himself and manipulated his followers into thinking that he was simply doing God's work that he didn't really want to do it. Mm-hmm. Jacques continued to say, quote, I think I understand what a battered wife experiences. She keeps getting beaten, but her husband begs for forgiveness. She wants to believe him and can't bear to leave her family. Members of the group were not allowed to talk to each other if Rock was not present. People commented on how eerily quiet the commune was. Even the children knew to be quiet.
1: That is some power you have over other people, yeah. Especially children, not to talk make and make noise. Yeah, they
0: knew. Well, they would be punished. Wow. No one was allowed to have sex without his permission. Rock would, however, take more than one of his wives to bed at the same time and make them compete to see who could have the most orgasms.
1: And really, how was he ensuring that nobody else was having sex? It was I don't just know. a rule, but it was. I just guess they listened to him for they... everything
0: else. Yeah, they did. The Ant Hill Kids raised money by selling baked goods. If someone did not sell enough, they would be punished. And by this time, the welfare checks had stopped. Oh, because they were off the grid. They're off the grid now, yeah. They've run to hide. Rock would spy on his members and then tell them that God told him their wrongdoings, making his authority seem that much more divine. Oh, so So manipulative. Yeah, so he'd check and see what they're doing and then be like, God told me you ate this extra cookie. Melissa, you must be punished. And you'd be like, what? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and then you'd believe him because how else would he know? He's just a spying dirtbag. That's how... If anyone made a comment about leaving the commune, Rock would string them up from the ceiling and pluck out their body hairs one by one. Or he would beat them with a belt or a hammer, and he would even sometimes defecate on them.
1: Ew. Yeah.
0: And with his dumping syndrome. syndrome. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So if he was in the middle of punishment and got that urge, maybe that's what he did. Unfortunately, as his hold over his members grew stronger, Rock's ugly tyranny would only get more sadistic. So he's like power hungry now. Yeah. It's getting bad. He began making members break their own legs with sledgehammers. What? Yeah. I don't even know how you would be able to do that. I don't know. I can't even imagine the pain. No. I took the head of a sledgehammer to the top of my foot one time (laughs) and that was painful. But it at least had gone up and over for a while before it landed on my foot. I cannot imagine. A
1: direct blow. Yeah. Oh. Mm. And doing it yourself. Yeah. He'd make them
0: do it themselves. I don't
1: know how you would work up the nerve to even swing it hard enough to do that.
0: But everybody was afraid if they didn't do what he said, they knew Rock would do it himself and it would be 10 times worse. Mm. So you had to do it. He would make members fight gladiator style for his own entertainment. He would draw a large square in the dirt, make them strip down naked, and fight in three minute intervals, even men versus women, until one person was left as the winner. What? So if you won, you fought the next person. Yeah. And if they won, then they fought the next person.
1: Hopefully they clued into just make it fast.
0: Well, they had to fight for three minutes.
1: It couldn't be like, oh, I beat you in two seconds.
0: <laughs> no, they had to fight for the whole three-minute interval is how I understood it. Rock would also make them shoot each other in the shoulder. He would make them sit on a hot stove. He would feed them dead mice and force them to eat feces. Oh. To prove their loyalty, he would make one member cut off another member's toe or parts of their fingers with wire cutters. The children were also physically and sexually abused by Rock. The sexual abuse is especially horrific, but I'm choosing to not include details since they're children. Mm -hmm. We're going to skip that part, but just to note that it did happen. The abuse was so bad that one of Rock's wives, Gabrielle Lavallee, set her five-month-old baby outside in the frigid Canadian temperatures. What? On January 26, 1985, she wrapped her son in a blanket and set him outside in a wheelbarrow. The temperature was minus 10 degrees Celsius or 14 degrees Fahrenheit. Why did she do that? Well, there are differing theories. Whether if it to her was better to let her baby freeze to death than to allow him to grow up in such a gruesome circumstance, or if Rock made her do it.
1: I'm going to go with the second, because any mother is not going to let her child suffer.
0: I actually think it's the first. Oh, really? Yeah, and I'll go on to explain why. But first of all, when Gabriel returned to her son, he was blue and had quit breathing. He was taken to the hospital, but was pronounced dead on arrival. The coroner went to the commune to interview Gabriel and Rock, the child's parents, and then performed an autopsy. The results have been kept confidential, but the child's death was essentially classified as crib death or SIDS, which is sudden infant death syndrome.
1: Even though he would have had signs of exposure? Yeah.
0: yeah, It's a little fishy, this one. McLean's magazine interviewed the coroner in 1993 about his findings and he stood by it still. In that time, SIDS was not as specific as it is today in what is classified as crib death. Some of the nurses claimed the boy's eyelids were frozen shut and he had clearly frozen to death. Others think maybe the boy was set in the cold to cover up his real cause of death. There is still much controversy over this boy's death today and what really happened. Gabriel later told police that Rock hated their son because he said the child bore the mark of the devil. Because of this, Rock would strike him often. Apparently, one of his eyelids was deformed, and mm. he thought that was the mark of the devil. Like a lazy eye deformed? or like The actually- eyelid. I don't know if the eyelid drooped, drooped or was yeah. just formed abnormally. She indicated that she wanted to relieve her son's suffering. However, unfortunately at the time, because the death was not deemed suspicious, the police did not continue to investigate and the commune was able to go back about their ways.
1: Oh no, there's been three times where people could intervene. Yeah, and they
0: did the one time they destroyed the commune and put them in jail. Yeah. Right, but now they're back together.
1: Now they are in the limelight again. Wouldn't it bring
0: forward that this is
1: against his parole?
0: Well, in that time, you didn't just punch their name in a computer system. I don't think they knew about the parole oh, I, happening yeah, in, in true. Quebec. This is happening in Ontario now. Because of what Gabriel says, that's what makes me lean more towards she did it to save her son because he's only a five-month-old little boy and Rock is beating him and thinking he's marked by the devil. That's So awful. she knew his whole life was going to be tormented. The county's Children Aid Society did, however, start to watch the commune more closely and more children were eventually apprehended. So they were the ones to be like, no, we got to keep our eye on this mm-hmm. place. December 1985, 14 more children were saved. Reportedly, the mothers of these children had the option to go with their children, but they chose to stay at the compound. I also read that as the women continued to have children, CAS continued to apprehend them. By 1987, 21 of the children were made wards of the crown, which I believe means their parents lost parental rights and they could now be adopted out. Mm-hmm. With the children gone, McLean's reported that the cult turned into a, quote, demonic orgy of sexual perversion and violence.
1: So now there's no children left. There's on... no children left on the compound. Okay.
0: Yeah. And I even read in a couple of accounts that Rock would sometimes pimp out his wives in exchange for goods by the people who lived in Burnt River. About the abuse, Rock expressed that he was simply a holy man and his punishments were only to purify the members of their sinful ways. With more sin. Right. And I think, like how we talked about this before, at this point now, he's believing this. Yeah. You know, I have to purify them. Rock continued to perform his healings and would often perform barbaric surgeries on his ant-tail kids. As punishment for one of his male followers, Claude, Rock placed an elastic band tightly around his testicles. Claude had to walk around like this. Later, Rock noticed that Claude's testicle had turned color and swelled to the size of an orange. This meant that Rock had to operate and he does this often. He causes these problems and then has to operate on them. Using a razor blade, he made an incision and removed the testicle with his fingers. He then cauterized the wound with a piece of hot iron. Ouch. Even walking around, I mean, I'm not a man, so I don't know, but walking around with that tight elastic till it swells like an orange, male listeners, are you cringing? (laughs) One night in February of 1987, Rock threw a hunting knife at his wife Giselle and hit her in the thigh. The knife caused a gash three inches deep. As you can imagine, the cut started to bleed profusely. Rock's reaction to her injury was to go drink a beer and take a nap. When he finally awoke, he saw that Giselle's wound had caused a giant blood clot to form. Rock decided that he could fix this by pressing on her wound until it reopened. He then cauterized it with a hot iron file and then poured multiple cups of boiling water over it. Giselle's leg got infected, and so Dr. Rock filled the cut with salt, olive oil, and spruce gum as treatment. And her leg did eventually heal. But can you imagine having that filled with salt? That's crazy. Yeah. Rock would torture commune members in so many other ways. He would torch their skin until it bubbled. He even did this to one of the women on the same day that she had given birth. He beat another pregnant woman until she miscarried and then later shot her in the shoulder. He broke bones and sometimes pulled their teeth out with pliers. Gabriel had eight teeth pulled after having a toothache. So she had one toothache and he pulled out eight teeth. And Claude had a similar amount of teeth pulled without any previous toothache at all.
1: How do these people let them do it? I don't know.
0: He's just a tyrant. I mean, this next part especially. Here's one to make us women cringe. He pressed Giselle's and Gabriel's nipples with vice grips until they bled. He would also crush other body parts of the members with vice grips, like their hands or whatever. Ouch. Mm -hmm. One time, he suspended Claude from the ceiling and had some of the women pluck out all of his pubic hairs one by one. (laughs) This is just torture. We're not laughing because it's funny. It's just because it's so terrible. It's
1: so unbelievable. It
0: is. And we're not even getting to all of the really bad stuff yet. And how did he get away with this? And how did the news not pick this up? How did Canada not know about this? Because nobody's telling. They're staying there. They're not leaving. But afterwards, all this comes out after. Okay. How did we not know? He stabbed Gabriel in the back with a hypodermic needle and then twisted it until the tip broke off inside her. And Gabriel, for some reason, seemed to be at the receiving end of Rock's torture all too often. She seemed to go through a lot of it. Mm. At one point in time, Gabriel's uterus prolapsed and was protruding three inches outside of her vagina. And guess who thought he could fix this by attempting to punch her uterus back up inside of her and seal the opening with a wooden cone?
1: Uh, yeah,
0: that is disturbing. When this didn't work, he tied what was hanging out with a string and tried to yank the organ from the body. Oh my goodness. I can't even imagine that pain that this woman went through. Those are she's your the internal same, organs. Yeah. She's the same one with the needle in her back, got eight teeth pulled out. She's been really abused by rock. And it's not even done for her. Obviously, him trying to yank her uterus out did not work. And it would be a whole year later until Gabriel would finally receive medical treatment for this by having a partial hysterectomy at Ross Memorial Hospital in Lindsay, Ontario. I'm
1: amazed that she didn't die of infection in between.
0: Right. And I did read that Rock would sometimes like travel around. He'd go to Utah or like different places. And it was during one of his times that he left the commune that she went to the hospital and got that partial hysterectomy. So how are y'all doing? I know this is a lot. (laughs) But we have two significant events to still cover and they both are doozies. But then I'm done with the abuse. September 28th, 1988, there would be another death at the compound. Rock's wife, Solange, started to not feel well. She had a stomach ache. And honestly, how often do we get stomach aches? We can get those all the time. Rock, however, was convinced that something was wrong with her liver. So as he usually did, Rock got drunk and then decided it was time to perform surgery. He instructed Solange to undress and lay on the table. He started by giving her a painful enema made from molasses, oil, and water. He then proceeded to feel around her abdomen and then randomly punched her in the gut. Solange was said to have raised her hands up to protect herself, but when Rock ordered her to put them down, she obeyed. He inserted a tube down her throat and had others blow into or suck from the tube. What? Mm -hmm. I don't know what his reasoning was for that. But now he was ready to operate solange was not given any type of anesthesia rock made a five-inch incision in her abdomen with a knife and took out a chunk of tissue it is believed to have been a part of her intestine what happened to his anatomy training i thought he was reading
1: some medical books at least
0: yeah he said it was her liver but then took out part of her intestine he then declared that she would be all right and ordered someone else to sew her back up solange sadly died soon afterwards from her injuries and was buried nearby This death hit Rock hard and he allegedly tried to kill himself over it. He tried to get Jacques to shoot him. He tried to overdose on extra strength Tylenol and he even tried to drown himself. When none of these attempts worked, he declared that God didn't want him to die. Rock became convinced that Solange was inside of him. He dreamed that she took shape in his semen. What? Yeah. Rock convinced Alex Joseph, who was another leader of a religious group, to perform a post-mortem marriage by proxy between himself and Solange. He wanted a real marriage done. Oh, because he didn't have the authority to do that? Right. Oh. Hmm. Days later, Rock ordered Claude to exhume his now new official wife. He had Gabriel... He has lost it now. Oh, it gets worse. Sorry. He had Gabriel open her up so that he could pour vinegar inside her body to try and keep the bugs and worms away, and then he had her reburied. A few days after that, Rock had Solange dug up a second time. Her body was now showing signs of decomp. He had her uterus removed, and then he made Jacques remove a piece of her skull. Rock ejaculated into the hole onto her brain, believing that his semen would bring her back to life. Oh my goodness. I know. I know. When I read all this the first time, it so stuck with me. And that's why it's taken me a while to like finally now, a year later, cover this case. When this obviously didn't work, he removed one of her ribs to fashion into a necklace that he did in fact wear. After he had her rib, he ordered that her body be cremated. He continued to masturbate into the ashes, believing she would come back to life through what he called a reverse birth. What's a reverse birth? Well, because he believes that she's inside of him. Okay. So she's going to come to life through his semen Semen. rather than someone being born from a woman's body. So it's kind of reversed. Okay. Yeah. And that's what he called it, a reverse birth.
1: Not that he would then impregnate somebody with that semen and then that would be Solange. Right. No. Okay.
0: He thought that by doing this, by putting his semen onto her brain and then into her ashes, that she would come back to life.
1: Magically, there is going to be a new person there. Yeah. A miracle was going to happen.
0: Head shake. I know. I know. I'm sorry, listeners. This one is a bad one. But I feel like all cult ones are bad ones. And that's mm-hmm. why this is only our second time covering a cult case. The last event I will share with you would prove to be the final acts of torture and mutilation at the hands of Rock Terrio. And it's bad. bad.
1: He gets caught after this one, right? He does. Okay, this good. the last okay. event. Yeah. Where does he get these ideas? To ejaculate over somebody's dead brain.
0: I don't know. He's just delusional. And it's always when he's in a drunken mood. Mm-hmm. Rock was in an especially drunken and vile mood on July 26, 1989. Most of the women had snuck away and hid in the nearby bushes, which apparently was a thing that they did regularly when he was on a rampage. Oh, they go you hide. Would, yeah, you would want to be far, far away from him. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, Gabriel did not make it to the bushes and would be the target of Rock's next sadistic acts. She's the one that I mentioned mm-hmm. was at the brunt of his axe a lot. When Rock saw Gabriel, he remembered that she had a stiff pinky finger. She only had one full pinky finger left already. He called her to him and told her to place her hand down on the table. Gabriel obeyed. Rock pulled out a knife and slammed it down into the center of her hand, essentially pinning her hand to the table. And she wasn't even complaining. He just remembered like, oh, wait, you said you had a stiff pinky. Come here. I'm going to fix it. Blood began to pour from the wound. What did Rock do next? He left her there, pinned to the kitchen table while he went to get another beer. Gabriel stayed there, stuck to the table until Rock returned. And I don't know how she did it. She said she had to force herself to stay conscious because she's just standing there. She's not even sitting. She's standing there. And even just looking at that, how you wouldn't pass out. She said, quote, I stood there for an hour. I didn't want to lose consciousness because if I did, I knew he would kill me. Gabriel's arm started to turn blue. And we all know by now what that means rock had to operate when he saw the arm he said to gabriel quote it's not looking so good is it he then went and fetched a carpet knife and started to whittle away at her arm between her elbow and her shoulder until he exposed bone <laughs> while she's standing there while she's standing there so her hand is still pinned to the table and he's now kind of halfway up her arm under her shoulder and between her elbow whittling away hopefully she's passed out she's not Ugh. Feeling tired from his work, he had his wife, Chantel, this is the one who underwent the psychiatric testing, yeah. clear the rest of the flesh away from a narrow strip of her bone all the way around her arm. So all the flesh now is completely removed around her arm on one area of the bone. He then took the knife out of her hand to release her from the table and led her to a tree stump that was in the kitchen. He grabbed a meat cleaver and severed Gabriel's arm from her body. Gabriel said, quote, he was drunk, of course. My arm turned blue and dark. He decided to amputate it. He decided to use a cleaver, but on the first try, he didn't do the job because the blade was so dull it didn't chop it. The second time, the job was done. Remarkably, and I don't know how, Gabriel did not cry out once. Yeah, I don't know how either. During this whole ordeal, I watched an interview that she did later, and she said that God was the only reason she was able to survive this ordeal. A few days later, her wound started to look infected, so Rock used scissors to cut out the infection. And I can't even imagine. You have this amputated arm and he's cutting pieces of it out? While he was at it, he also cut a chunk from her breast. He finished the procedure with hitting her on the head with a blunt end of an axe.
1: What? Yep. So did he hit her on the head to knock her out afterwards? I don't know. Or was just
0: angry? Or This was always when he was in a drunken rage. And what was the chunk out of the breast for? Just mutilation. Why does he pull out teeth? Why does he cut off fingers? Why does he make them break their legs? Why does he burn their skin? Why does he do any of this? Because he's an evil dirtbag. I read that Gabriel ran to the bushes and laid there for a couple of days. When she returned, Rock cauterized the end of what was left of her arm with a heated piece of car metal, but not before accidentally dropping it on her body a few times. Miraculously, the courageous Gabriel Lavallee managed to escape the Ant Hill Kids commune on August 16th, 1989. So this was a little bit of time Mm -hmm. after her arm was amputated. She made her way to the hospital by hitchhiking and the police were called. Three days later on August 19th, police showed up to the compound with an arrest warrant for Rock Terrio. Rock and the rest of the Ant Hill kids must have realized that the police would be coming after Gabriel escaped. And so when authorities arrived, no one was to be found. Rock had fled with some of the members back to Quebec. Other members had fled back to their real families. And just imagine that reunion. They would be like mutilated. Yeah. Toes and fingers missing and burns and scars and bullet wounds.
1: And were these people wanting to escape or they just had nowhere else to go and Rock told them to go back to their families? I don't
0: think Rock told them to go back to their families because some of the people stayed with Rock. Yeah. But the other ones were like, you know, we're out now. Yeah. Like if we're fleeing, we're not doing this a third time. Like Mm -hmm. we're going. Because the second commune had gotten much worse than the first one. And the world was still going. (laughs) you know so I think your faith in that happening is probably lessening over the span of 12 years as well after six weeks of searching police were finally able to find rock with the use of search dogs and helicopters he had been hiding in a makeshift camp with a few of his followers he was arrested in October of 1989 four days later rock pled guilty to his assault on Gabriel Lavallee and was sentenced to 12 years his charges included three counts of aggravated assault and one count of unlawfully causing bodily harm It doesn't seem like enough. It doesn't seem like enough, but she did live, right? Mm -hmm. So there's no murder charge for her. While in prison, he was tried for the death of Solange Boilard. I read that Giselle was the one to tell police what had happened to Solange. And she was his official second wife. That's who Giselle Mm -hmm. is. On January 18th, 1993, Rock was given a life sentence with no chance of parole until the year 2000 for second degree murder. Thankfully, Rock was denied parole in 2002 as he was deemed too high of a risk to reoffend. Interestingly, he chose to never apply for parole again. Some say he feared for his safety outside of the prison. Gabrielle attended the parole hearing, and she is just like such a rock star. Mm-hmm. I just can't even believe what this woman went through and survived. She said afterwards quote, The population, myself included, will be able to have a long night's sleep tonight. She also said, quote, sitting behind him, meaning at the hearing, brought back all the memories of the time when I weighed 80 pounds and had to help the authorities capture him. I felt a lot of emotion. Mm. Has she gone on to do
1: something like with her life? Like, did she actually get a family and have children? Like, what about all of her children that were taken
0: away? Some of the women tried to get the children back, but are um, unable.
1: Yeah, no kidding.
0: Yeah, none of the children are returned. Mm. No. That same year, Rock was transferred to Dorchester Penitentiary in Dorchester, New Brunswick, a medium-security prison. Prison staff reported that Rock continued to be very charismatic. During a court appearance, Rock stated that he was remorseful for, quote, traumatizing, mutilating, and inflicting suffering on the members of my entourage, forcing them to live in the slavery of that hell, and for the events that led to the premature death of Solange Bolliard. He also said that his arrest and jail time had helped him, quote, to grow as a person and realize the error of his ways.
1: His entourage. I doubt he has accepted the error of his ways. Yeah. Weren't they supposed to be like his family? Yeah. But now they're his, his entourage. entourage? Yep. Dirtbag.
0: Yeah. No, we don't accept your <laughs> apology, Rock. Return to sender. Yeah. <laughs>
1: What a disrespectful way to term the people that followed him so religiously. Yeah. Isn't that usually your servants?
0: Your entourage? Yeah. It's like your following, isn't it? Yeah. So like his worshippers, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Still a dirtbag thing to say. Yeah. And to turn that and make it about him. It made me grow as a person. It made me realize the error of my ways. I'm usually very much pro rehabilitation and Mm -hmm. that type of thing, but not this dirtbag. During his incarceration, most of the commune members abandoned Rock and his culture, but not everyone. What? Shockingly, three of the women stayed by Rock's side. They moved close to the prison, and I read that they opened a bakery together. The women were allotted conjugal visits with Rock. No! Yep. As a result of these visits, Rock was able to father four more children. But by my understanding, each of those children were immediately apprehended as well.
1: Yeah, because there's some serious psychological issues for those women. Yeah.
0: This brought the official number of his children up to 26, 20 of whom have been adopted. Wow. One of the women who chose to stay with Rock is Francine Laflame. She explained that she is still in love with Rock and is awaiting his release. She believes that his acts of craziness were due to his excessive drinking and abuse of childhood. She said, quote, People tried to make Rock sound like a monster, like a butcher. But he is not that. Most of the time he was not drinking and performing his operations. He was a marvelous man who was full of passion, intelligence, and originality. He loved to laugh and dance.
1: Get a brain. Does
0: <laughs> I... that mean? No, but... but it just shows like her belief. Like she stayed with him, continued to have children with him.
1: That sounds like an abuse woman. Yeah. I shouldn't say get a brain. No, don't say that.
0: No. We're not victim blaming with any no. of them. But She's this just shows how much. a victim. She is obviously a victim. And deluded. Mm -hmm. and it just shows how much control Mm -hmm. and I wonder if even at this point if you go away from it then would you feel like it was all for nothing
1: escalation of commitment
0: yeah exactly yeah if I stay with him and continue making myself believe this or maybe she I think she actually really did Mm -hmm. maybe it's easier to handle it's true rock caused more controversy in 2009 when he tried to sell some of his artwork through a website called murderauction.com There's a website for that? Yep. What? Shame on you, murderauction.com. They were willing to sell his drawings and poetry. However, the Correctional Service of Canada prohibited his work from leaving Dorchester Penitentiary. So good for you, Canada. Yeah. They wouldn't allow it. But he would only be profiting because he was this terrible cult leader. Yeah, people are only
1: buying it from there because there are murderers. Right. So
0: essentially making him profit from his crimes, which we've talked about lots and we don't believe that that should happen. There was a movie made in 2002 about Rockterio and his rule as a cult leader called Savage Messiah. I didn't watch it, but it did win multiple Canadian screen awards. Hmm. Gabrielle Lavallee wrote a book in French about her experience. It is titled L'Alliance de la Brebis, which translated means Alliance of the Sheep. It's a good title. It is a really good title. That's what I thought too. Mm-hmm. She has said, quote, he is a Hitler, a psychopath. He cannot be cured. Yeah. And I kind of agree with her description rather than the other lady's description of Rockterio. (laughs) Seems a little bit more accurate from what you've told us. Yeah. I'm in love with this Gabriel. Like, she is such an amazing person. Rock's father, when a McLean's reporter visited their home, the same home where Rock was raised, expressed that he did not have contact with their son and did not wish to reestablish ties. Before retreating into the house and slamming the door, he said, quote, I don't want to talk about him or hear his name. I raised seven children, and only one of them turned out like that. That would
1: be so hard as a parent.
0: Even if your child accidentally killed someone it would be hard. <laughs> Let alone just reigning of terror for 12 years on multiple people. Mm-hmm. On February 26, 2011, at the age of 63, Rock was found dead near his cell at Dorchester Penitentiary. He was murdered by fellow cellmate Matthew Gerard McDonald. Matthew, a convicted murderer, was 60 years old when he took Rock's life. He pled guilty to second-degree murder, but wasn't given any more jail time because he was already serving a life sentence. So what
1: brought on the murder?
0: Well, I'll tell you. Okay. <laughs> the entire murder was caught on the prison surveillance video. Matthew had expressed his dislike towards Rock after learning about his abuse towards women. Matthew decided to approach Rock and stabbed him in the throat with a shiv, he then walked to the guard station, handed them the weapon, and said, quote, That piece of crap is down on the range. Here's the knife. I've sliced him up. Oh, wow. And that is the heartbreaking and horrifying story of a truly sadistic and evil man who was one of Canada's most vile cult leaders to ever walk the face of this earth, extra large and disgusting dirtbag, Terio.
1: How did we not know that story? Right? Wow.
0: Yeah, anybody I have asked. And I'm asking Canadians. (laughs) Yeah. Don't know this story. And I know it's hard to listen to. It was a bad one. I'm sorry. But these things happened. And these people really suffered this way. That is incredible. Yeah. What a crazy case, Christy. Yeah. Sorry to... i say thanks for bringing it to us, but... (laughs) No, you can't even with this one. It's just super disturbing. It is. It is so sad. You can see why it took me a while to get up the nerve to do this case. Yeah.
1: Let's look forward to next week's case for just a normal (laughs) dirtbag,
0: right? Not such an extreme one. And we promise we won't throw another cult in there for a while. We'll keep spacing them out. Because they are hard to listen to. They are. Mm -hmm. So after that crazy case, you guys need a prize
1: for sticking with us and listening. (laughs) You all earned an award today. Because that was a brutal case. So go to our Facebook or Instagram page and check out our giveaway that's happening right now.
0: We'd love you to enter and have the chance to win our giveaway. Until next week. See ya. Bye. <laughs>
1: yeah, we're actually going to do an <laughs> I'm episode. I'm recording. <laughs>
0: Sorry, I got something in my eye. <laughs> Angic, angica, anglicization. How do you say that word?
1: Anglicization.
0: Did I say that word right? That one's not even a French word. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I actually have to turn on my volume. Hold on. <laughs> oh, oh, see, we try not to be stereotypical, but cult leaders, help us out a little. You don't all have to look the same.
1: That was a what country?
0: A faraway country. <laughs> far country.
1: <laughs> like Joseph the Carpenter?
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's a hard word. Monk frocks. <laughs> say that 10 times fast. Monk frocks? That might end up in a swearing <laughs> to try to say that 10 <laughs> times fast.
1: There was no paleo then.
0: No. I don't think they followed keto. <laughs> <laughs> now I want a salad. <laughs> <laughs> and it was funny because of when I... I'm a financial advisor and I declared that the bank should give me... Sorry. <laughs> right. Tons of money. <laughs> Maybe we're the dumb ones. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Okay, where were we? <laughs> My cheeks are even sore already. <laughs> Fertility was definitely not an issue. It must have been all that organic food for him. <laughs> you don't want it on your face; it make you ugly. <laughs> I'll cut that out. Well, I don't know. I don't know the details <laughs> on that. <laughs> Rock was in an especially drunken mood. Rock was in an in. An... Why do I put word hard words in here for me to say together? And I read that twenty of. Up to 26, 20 of whom who, let me say this again, in French, so I didn't read it. (laughs) What are
1: we even doing? Hey, we're live, pal, and we'd love for you to come
0: check out our podcast, Tales from the Estate. Each week, we talk about our top five favorite somethings. My beautiful wife, Caitlin, likes to share all sorts of random facts.
1: Yeah. Did you know that cows have accents?
0: We did now. But we also review all sorts of snacks and other great things. And so if you love everything random, I think you'd enjoy Tales from the Estate. So come check us out. Yeah. Okay, Uh thanks. Bye.
1: Hi, this is Candace Sampson, the voice behind what she said. My show is your destination for stories that not only entertain, but also
0: educate and empower. Every week, I spotlight strong female voices from across Canada, women who are changing the narrative and driving change. Don't miss out on these inspiring episodes. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music, or head over to whatshesaidtalk.com. What She Said can also be heard on blasttheradio.com mondays at 5 p.m. and wednesdays at 7 p.m. that's blasttheradio.com
1: it's time to dive into the stories that truly matter
0: another sound off media company podcast